Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. The last words of Jesus on the cross were, it is finished. Um, finished for us is sometimes difficult. When I think of finished, the first thing I think of um, is when I was in middle school, and this wasn't a one-time thing. Um, my English teacher, Mrs. Weeby, um, called my house at night. Anytime your teacher calls your parents, it's usually not a good thing, right? And she told my dad that I had 10 missing assignments. Um, and, you know, it was okay until my mom found out. I don't know if it's like this at your house, but it's okay if dad finds out, but if mom finds out, you're in trouble. That's what it was like in my house. Well, I had a lot of assignments that I hadn't finished. And what I did, they made me clean my room, and inside my room, I found all 10 of those assignments. Um, My dog didn't eat them. My room ate them. And um, they were all about 80% done. Um, So I had to go, and I had to finish each one of those. And don't raise your hands, but how many of y'all have, yeah, the teacher shows you the grade, you ever have the teacher show you the grade book? And they're like, here, here, here. (laughs) You know, they're, they're missing, and they're not, they're, you know, they're not completed. So when I think of finished, I think of the things that I haven't finished. Um, but when we're thinking about finished, um, we're thinking about the cross and what Jesus said on, said on the cross. The, the last words that he said were, it is finished. Um, those words, you know, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. Lived, died, rose again 2,000 years ago. Um, so Jesus didn't speak English. Contrary to what the flannel graphs in Sunday school made you think, Jesus was not a white guy. Um, Jesus was Middle Eastern. Um, at, he was Jewish back in that time. The Jewish people, people spoke two languages. They spoke Aramaic and they spoke Greek. And on the cross, Jesus is recorded um, by four different people. Uh, when he hung on the cross, he spoke actually phrases in both of those languages. He spoke, um, he spoke a phrase in, in um, Aramaic, he said, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, which means, God, God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and then he said his final words in Greek, he said, it is finished. And in Greek, the word for that it, it, that makes up all three of the English words, it is finished, is the word tetelestai. Tetelestai. Say that, tetelestai. You know, it's a, very, it's a very emphatic word. Like when you say it, it's not like... Tetelestai, you know, it's tetelestai. And when Jesus said that, he said, it is finished, it meant something. This is what this, this is the Greek word right here. This is what it looks like if you were to write it in Greek. Um, looks kind of like English, doesn't it? Greek looks kind of like English. But this is what this word means in other, tra- other parts of the Bible and kind of a good translation of this word. It means to bring to a close, to perform, to execute, or to pay in full. So when Jesus died on the cross, he said, these things are done. These things are paid in full. We're going to be talking about the three things on the cross when Jesus said, tetelestai, when he said it is finished, the three things that he finished on the cross. Um, Tonight we're going to talk about how Jesus finished, paid in full, your redemption. Now that may not sound very interesting, that may sound like a big theological word, but it means everything. Have you ever felt like you're worth about this much? Have you ever been made to feel like that? Yeah. You may think I'm too old to have experienced this because I'm an old man, but um, when I was in high school, when I was in middle school, uh, I was cyberbullied. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have Snapchat. Um, they had this thing called AIM. 
Anybody ever heard of AIM? It was called AIM. <laughs> Jeff's, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff is old enough to know AIM too, like me. It was AOL Instant Messenger, AIM. Um, so, so, and, and when people talk to you like that, or you, you're meant to feel like you're worth about this much. You're meant to feel like you, you're worth about this much. But when Jesus paid in full your redemption, what he said and what he meant was this. That your worth is found in the cross. That I can find my worth in the cross. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to focus on. That's what we're going to look at tonight is that phrase. My worth is found in the cross. Um, your worth's not found in your, how many likes you get on social media, uh, not how many friends you have, not how many people talk to you at school, not who you sit with at lunch. Your worth is found on the cross. Um, so that, that's, yeah, I guess you could go home now because you know everything I'm going to say. But your worth is found in the cross. But let's understand why our worth is found in the cross. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, it's towards the back of the Bible. Um, I've got my Bible open to 1 Peter. You can see how far it's almost in the very, very, very back of the Bible. Um, if you're pulling up um, the Bible on you version on your phone, you got to scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll you know, then work your way back. Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, and then 1 Peter. Um, <clears throat> all the way in the back of the Bible. Um, and Peter was someone who watched Jesus die on the cross. Um, it, this is a very raw thing for Peter to talk about because Peter, yeah, Peter, when Jesus was dying, he's, he denied him. He's like, I don't want anything to do with him. And then um, Jesus gave him a second chance. So this is what we learn about Jesus finishing our redemption on the cross. Here it is on the screen. So I'll just stand out, step out of the way here. So if you don't have your Bible, you can read it on the screen as I read it. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at more than just these two verses. But first, we're going to kind of like zoom into these two verses and then we're going to zoom out and look at the whole passage, okay? So 1 Peter 1, start in verse 18. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or without defect. Well, outside of West Virginia, we say defect. In West Virginia, we say defect. Um, so that's just how we say things around here. Um, so it says that we have been, re can, can we go back to the first one, Jeff, sorry, um, we have been redeemed. What does it mean to be redeemed? This is what this word means. Um, it's from the Greek word litru, you have to say ooh, -ooh. it's not litru, it's litru, yeah, so it's got, yeah, it's like remix, like, like true, ooh, you know, ooh, ooh. Um, lie true. And this is what it means. This is what this word means. It means to release or liberate upon receipt of ransom or to deliver from evil. Um, sometimes, um, this doesn't happen very often in the United States, but it happens a lot in South America. Um, I was, one time I was in Peru and I thought I was going to be um, kidnapped. Um, and, um, but uh, kidnappings happen a lot and the kidnappers will demand a ransom payment for these people to be redeemed. And, and families will scrape up all the money they have and give, them to these, give it to these captors so that they, they will release their loved one. This is the idea that Jesus paid a price for us, that he paid for us to be free. So we were redeemed. So now let's zoom out. We zoomed in. We know that we were redeemed by Jesus on the cross. Let's kind of zoom out and see what the purpose of us being redeemed was. So let's look at 1 Peter. Back up to verse 13 and read this with me. It says in verse 13 of this same passage, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus is revealed at his coming. 
As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you to be holy, just who has, let me back up, verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you have a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your life as foreigners here in reverent and fear, with reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake, though, though him you believe in, through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart, for you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and the enduring word of God. So how do we find our worth? How do we determine that our worth is found in the cross? Well, the first thing that we realize as we look through this passage is that we are redeemed, we are bought from emptiness. We are bought from emptiness. Look, um, look at verse 18, it says, you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down by your ancestors. Um, there's some words. I'm an underliner in the Bible. That's why sometimes when I'm reading to you, like I have a hard time reading and I get all bum-fuzzled. You know, have you, been, have you ever been bum-fuzzled? You know, you're reading. And the worst thing is when you have to read aloud in class. You ever have to do that? And you're like, you know, saying words wrong. And like, so, and that's, sorry. Um, but I have underlined in verse 18, it was not with perishable things that you were purchased. Um, we are in a world full of perishable things. Um, you ever have, maybe you're having Sunday lunch with your grandpa, and he says something like this, they just don't make things like they used to. You ever heard that? Um, that's actually true. Um, things are made to pretty much break down. You know, you get an iPhone, and in two, like, well, not even two years, like in a year, like, it's so slow, you're like, I'm not even going to bother getting this thing out to check it because it's going to take me 5,000 years and a bunch of, you know, you know, words that, you know, I can say as a Christian, but that's about as far as I can go as a Christian, you know, getting all frustrated, right? Technology hates me, that's what April always says, uh, <laughs> you know, so... We know, we know that you get, a, you get an iPhone, like why it's got the X, you know, it's nice, shiny, new, but in a year, you know, why it's going to be upset because it's not, you know, not going to be moving as fast as it was, especially when they come out with the new one and they update the iOS. We live in this like kind of disposable culture, this perishable culture, and we always want the latest and greatest thing, but guess what? As soon as you get the latest and greatest thing, it's no longer the latest and greatest thing, and it's not just stuff. Um, it has to do with relationships too. Have you ever pursued like... I know maybe some of you are all too young for romance, but have you ever, you know, <laughs> or you just don't want the drama, you know, uh-uh, you know, but um, have you ever, have you ever tried, you thought, if I could just be this guy's boyfriend, hold on, <laughs> I said that wrong, I'm sorry, <laughs> what I meant was, <laughs> I'm not going to get you back after that one, am I? <laughs> what I meant to say. <laughs> if I could just be this guy's girlfriend, I would be happy. If I could just have him as a boyfriend, I'd be happy. Or guys, you say, if I could just have her as a girlfriend, I'd be happy. And then you actually, you, you ask them out, and to your utter surprise, they say yes. You take them on a couple dates, you're getting the giggly, googly eyes, 
You feel like you have arrived and your life is complete and your life is fulfilled. And about three months into the relationship, you realize she is she's crazy. Like, like, she's crazy. Like, she may kill me. Like, I'm afraid to break up with her. Like, she is absolutely insane. And now, I thought my life was going to be perfect if I could go out with her. Now, I think my life's going to be perfect if I could find a way to break up with her and my car end up not get keyed. Um, maybe not to that degree, but you ever been in a relationship like that where you're like, as soon as you got into it, you're like, man, that was a bad mistake. Like, I totally, totally didn't see that one coming right. Um, we live in a perishable culture, and we try to get our fulfillment, we try to fill the hole inside our hearts with things that aren't going to make us happy forever, um, things that aren't going to sustain us forever, and it's not just that these things are perishable, um, but they're empty. It says that you were redeemed from an empty way of life. Um, the big secret that nobody in here wants to tell each other is that all of us kind of feel like this, this person right here. Um, all of us kind of feel like something's missing. Uh, all of us kind of feel like life's just not quite the way it should be, and there's a little bit of emptiness to the life. And, you know, the proudest peacock in here, um, when they lay in bed at night, they still wonder if there's something more. Um, we're redeemed from this empty way of life. Um, we are redeemed from our sin. Um, we are redeemed from our sin. Romans, Romans 3.23 says that, all have sinned, so no matter who you are in here, no matter how great you think you are, uh, the one thing we all have in common is we all have sinned, and Romans 6.23 says that the payment, the wages, the penalty for sin is death. So it's not, it's an empty way of life, it's also a life that has a really bad ending, um, because it's not just, okay, I croak and I cease to exist, it's I die, and because of my sin and the sin debt and the payment, I'm sentenced to an eternal death in a place called hell. Man, you talk about an empty life. And then it's not just our future that feels empty, and it's not just our future that's affected by sin. We start becoming enslaved to sin. Don't raise your hands, but any of y'all have a habit that you know is wrong that you just can't kick? And I brought the chains today, but you ever felt like that you in your life, you are just like totally, I'm going to hurt myself, aren't I? Um, you are just totally bound up with chains, and your friends don't see it, your parents don't see it, but everywhere you go, you can feel the weight of the chains, and you can hear them dragging the ground. You, the chains of pornography, I don't think it's funny at all. The chains of pornography... They say that the average age of exposure to pornography is 11 years old. Isn't that crazy? Um, there are a lot of people in addiction right now. When we think of addicts, usually the people that we think of are the people that are addicted to drugs. Um, there are a lot of people that are addicted to sin, and pornography is just one. Um, you, you feel like you wish you could do the right thing. It talks about this in the Bible that I wish I could do the right thing, and I know what the right things, but I always find myself doing the wrong thing. We are enslaved to an empty way of life. Jesus redeemed us from emptiness. The next thing that we realize in this verse is that that redemption came at a very, very, very hefty price. A very, very hefty cost. Um, one of the darkest, probably most evil things in our nation's history 
um, was that of slavery. Um, when certain people in our country bought other people, considered them property, made them work for nothing, literally put them in chains. And what was also sad about this whole situation is that a slave could not make the money to buy his own freedom. But there were people who what they did was they would raise money and they would go down into the south and they would purchase slaves and they would take them to the free areas and they would allow, they would set them free. When we think about the price that Jesus paid, he paid, first off, we know he paid a price that we could not pay. If you're in chains, you can't pay your own price to freedom because you're bound by chains. Here's another thing. I hate to tell you, I can't pay your price. I can't buy your freedom. I can't redeem you because I've got my own sins to pay for. Um, one of the hardest things is I'm a do-it-yourself kind of guy. Our, our, dishwasher, or our, our dryer broke um, over the weekend. You know what I did? I got on YouTube. I figured out how to fix a dryer. I went to Sears. I got the, um, the belt that I needed to get and the roller kit. I slapped it in there, and I fixed it. I'm a, fix, I'm a do-it-yourself guy. I like to fix my own problems. This is the one problem. Well, there's several, but this is the big problem that Matt McClay can't fix for himself, and I wish I could fix it for you, but I can't. We can't pay that price. You want to see what the price is? Um, come down here, look at the price. The price is a lamb, without, in verse 19, a lamb without blemish or without defect. We learned that redemption, the price for our freedom, can only be paid through Jesus. It can only be paid through Jesus. Um, in Matthew 20, 28, Jesus said the reason that he came, why did Jesus come? To heal people? Well, kind of. Uh, to turn water into wine? Kind of. But the main reason he came, he said, he said the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom of redemption for many. Jesus came to die on the cross so that you could be bought from the slave market of sin. But consider this cost. Consider the length that God went to to buy back your freedom. Um, God gave the life of his only son. The fire alarm went off in here today. I don't know why and I were doing all kinds of stuff, so we probably, yeah. We were putting the haze up. We were blowing drywall dust around, you know, so I'm sure we set it off. But you know what happens? If, yeah, if this building catches on fire, um, I'll try to get as many of you out as I can, but you know what? I'm not dragging any of you guys out until I make sure my wife and my daughter are out. I'm going to make sure Addison gets out of here because she is my daughter, and I love her. I love you guys, too. Don't get me wrong, Jed. I can see you're highly offended here. Um, I, I love you guys. I really do. I, I, most of you know that. If you've been around long, you know that I love you dearly. I'm going to get Addison out first. Do you see how God totally turned his fatherly love upside down, and he allowed his only son to die on a cross to pay the payment for your sin? Can you imagine God having to look at his son with the nails being driven into his arms. He had to look as a spear was thrust into his side. And then all of our sins, everything we ever did, all the most disgusting thing you've ever done, the most rebellious thing you've ever done, it said that sin was put on Jesus. And at that point, God had to look away. God had to look away because he could just not stand to see. He could not stand to see his son taking on our sins. Think about what God gave up. Think about what Jesus gave up. He went from heaven to earth. He went from glory to a dust ball. <laughs> he, 
He, he went to a place called Nazareth. It would, be like, it would be like going from heaven to Huntington, West Virginia. And he came here. He lived among us. He had to deal with nasty, salty people who were not very nice to him and who treated him like dirt. Jesus endured separation from his father. You, you saw a little bit of it on the video. Jesus died one of the most painful, humiliating deaths in history. We're going to talk a little more um, the next couple weeks about a, what it meant to have to be crucified on a cross. You were stripped down. You were whipped. You were tortured. Then you were nailed to a cross, and you would hang there so long that you wouldn't die of the nails in your hands. You would die of asphyxiation. You would die of not being able to pull yourself up and breathe. Meanwhile, the soldiers would stand around and laugh at you and mock you. They pulled his beard out. You think your redemption came easy? You think it came cheap? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It did not. So when we talk about how my worth is found in the cross, consider the length that God went to save you. Consider the sacrifice that he made to save you. Um, when you look at this, it says, um, it says in verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world and was re- revealed in these last times for your sake. Before you were even born, before your parents were even born, God knew that you would live in this tri-state area. God knew that you would go to Midland, or that you would go to Barbersville, or that you would go to Huntington. God knew that you would struggle with this empty life and that you would be shackled by sin. God also knew how difficult the cross was going to be for his son. But he still sent his son. Jesus still went. So the next time... People are texting you and it's really not nice things. The next time you're sitting at school and nobody will talk to you and you feel like the only person who doesn't have a friend. Um, The next time you're just sitting alone at home and it seems like everybody else has something to do on a Friday night and it's just you and your parents. Nothing against your parents. (laughs) Um, The next time you feel like you're worth nothing, consider yourself through the cross. Consider how your... And this is what, so, there's, there's so many mysterious things about the cross, and this is one of them. On the cross, your worth and the worth of Jesus somehow get miraculously intertwined. And your worth, your value, is no longer tied up in how many likes you get on Instagram. It's no longer on how many streaks you have on Snapchat. Your worth is on the cross. And your worth is tied in with the Son of God. Um, so you're redeemed at a hefty price, but what are we redeemed to? I'm redeemed to a new life. Look at verse 23. It says, you've been born again. You've been born again. Um, birth is a weird thing, man. Just wait till you're married and, you know, either you have kids or your wife has, man, it's a weird thing. Birth is interesting. You're going to learn terms and words and stuff you thought you'd never learn. Um, We're not talking about a physical birth here. What we're talking about is a spiritual birth. What's so cool about babies, I'm in the minority here. I don't think babies are cute. I really don't. Like newborn babies. Like when they get a little pudge on them, you know, when they get their rolls and their chubby cheeks are cute. When they come out, they look like the end of a hot dog. You know what I mean? And people are like, look at my baby. They're like, oh, yeah, he's cute. I'm like, not really. Um, So, so. But when you think about a baby, I think what's so cute about babies, um, other than their squishy cheeks, is how brand new they are. 
how innocent they are and how much potential they have. And when you've been born again, guess what? You have a brand new start. You have potential. And I think you're pretty cute. <laughs> Say, ah. Um, we are redeemed to a new life. You know, what we learned first, um, that we're redeemed to a forgiven life. Um, after, afterwards, get on our app, get on the Refuel app and look at the notes, and I've got references for all of these. Um, Ephesians 1.7, it says that we are redeemed to a forgiven life. 1 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are redeemed to a righteous life, that God's goodness, Jesus' goodness, has been credited to our behalf, so it's no longer that I have to measure up to the expectations that are put on me, but Jesus measured up to God's expectations and his righteousness comes to my account. Um, We're adopted into a new family. The verse that we read um, during worship, uh, Galatians chapter four, it says that that, um, God redeemed us so that he could call us sons and daughters. Um, So God is our father. You and you and you and you and you and you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I now, even if my family at home isn't that great, Um, You know, some of you have great families, some of you maybe not so much, even if my family at home isn't that great, and even if I don't have a relationship with my mother, or I don't have a relationship with my father, I have a heavenly father, and I have brothers and sisters here who will build me up. A free life. Look at 1 Peter, look in this passage, verse 13, verse 14. Um, Verse 14, it says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You used to not have a choice whether you were going to watch porn or not, because you were enslaved. But guess what? When Jesus bought you and Jesus redeemed you and you start to see yourself through the cross of Christ, the chains fall to the ground. I like the sound that makes. Um, The chains fall to the ground and maybe what some of you need, not physically, is in your life to be able to hear that sound of your sin hitting the ground. It hurt your ears, didn't it? No longer being bound by it. Um, 1 Peter 14, it says that was how you were. It says when you used to live in ignorance, but now you've been redeemed. You've been set free. Um, and then finally, you are saved to eternal life. One of my, this is probably my favorite part of the Bible. Um, you can turn there if you want, but um, um, you don't have to. Um, and we don't have the, ver- the words for it on the screen, but it's Revelation chapter 5. Um, it's this scene about when we get to heaven, we're all gathered around the throne of God, and we see Jesus. And do you want to know what we tell? This is, you ever wonder what, what, you know, if the Bible actually says anything about you? Well, if you believe in Jesus, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do in heaven. This is what it says you're going to do. Revelation 5, um, verse 9, it says they, and guess what? If you believe in Jesus, you're, you're they. You're one of the they. So if, you, if you're saved, look at the person next to you and say, I'm one of the they. Okay? Um, you're one of the they. You want to know what you're going to say in heaven? This is what you're going to say in heaven to Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll and open, this, open the seals because you were slain, because you died on the cross. And with your blood, you purchased for God, redeemed. You, some versions even say redeemed. You purchased, for, for, you purchased for God people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And that includes people here in Huntington, West Virginia. That includes me and you. We're going to look into the eyes of Jesus and we're going to say, thank you for redeeming me from the slave market of sin. So what's our response to redemption? What's our response to being bought by Jesus? Um, over the next three weeks, I'm going to give you the same three responses. And, you know, you, you, anybody ever tell you, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it? So if the shoe fits, 
wear it. Um, I can't, can't stand lopsided. If the shoe fits, wear it, okay? So what I want you to do is we look through these three responses. They're going to be really quick. They're, each of these three things are prayers that you should pray to God. I want you to decide which of these responses to this redemption do I need to make. The first response is thank you. Thank you. You know what I do when I see people who are struggling with sin? Rather than look my nose down at them, you know what I say to God? I say, first off, I struggle. I'm not done struggling with sin. But I, I turn to God and I say, thank you. Because he set me free. If you've been set free by God, if you've been redeemed by God, if you put your faith in Jesus, we should say thank you. We're coming up on Easter. We're coming up on what we call Passion Week when we think about Jesus' death on the cross, when's the last time you thanked Jesus for buying you back? Shoe fit? Does the shoe fit? Put it on. The next prayer that we could pray to God, a response that we give to God is, remind me. Remind me. Um, You've put your faith in Jesus, but you've forgotten about the cross. You've forgotten about the way that God sees you. You've forgotten the reality of who you are. You've bought into what people have told you. You've let people tell you you're worthless. When Jesus died on the cross for you, you've totally forgotten the price that Jesus paid for you. Maybe you need to spend some time and just say, God, I need you to remind me because everybody else in my life is trying to make me forget my worth in the cross. And the final one, if the shoe fits, save me. Save me. Has there ever been a time that you've put your faith in Jesus, that you've just prayed a simple prayer, and you've said, God, please save me from my sins. I trust that what you, when you died on the cross, that you paid the ransom, you paid the penalty to redeem me. I'm not asking you if you've gone to church. That's not the shoe fit question. The shoe fit question is not how active are you in youth group. The shoe fit question is not were you baptized. The question is, are you saved? Have you put your faith in Jesus I think it would surprise a lot of us how many people are struggling with this one. Has there ever been a time in your life where you put your trust in Jesus? Um, I'm going to have a time of prayer. And which of these fits? Which of these fits in your life? As I'm praying, what I want you to do is I want you to pray quietly in your heart, whichever one fits. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much that you bought us back. Thank you that you redeemed us. Um, it's not that we're worth so much. It's that you're worth an infinite amount. And you've chosen to impute. You've chosen to translate your worth to us. God, we sometimes feel so small. We feel like we don't measure up to people's expectations. We feel like everybody else is doing so much better than us. God, I pray that you'll keep us near the cross. I pray that we'll always find our value in you, not in us, and not what people say about us. Thank you for redeeming us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.